And we're going to turn to James chapter 3 for our study this afternoon. James chapter 3. And really, this is the next paragraph where we left off last week. I want you to know, I take books of the Bible and I read it and I just preach through books of the Bible so that I don't pick and choose my favorite or the easy ones, but I read and preach through the whole portion, the whole counsel of the Word of God. Today, we are in James chapter 3, verses 13 to 18, and I trust that as we go through it, you will say, boy, this is so practical. But not only is it so practical, this is a perfect Christmas sermon. And not only is it a perfect Christmas message, you're going to hear a lot about the Lord Jesus as our wisdom as we go through this together. So let's pray because we need the power of the Holy Spirit to give us illumination so that we would rightly study the word of God and interpret it together. We come before your word, O Lord, because your word, the Bible, is the authority. It is the truth. It is more relevant than tomorrow's headlines. The Bible is the very God-breathed word. We don't sit in judgment over the Bible. The Bible is sitting in judgment over us. And so we want to rightly understand your word So open the eyes of our hearts that we might understand wonderful things from your law. Show us, Christ. Show us who you are. Show us our sin. Show us our great need for true wisdom. And would you shine the spotlight upon Jesus Christ in all of our hearts today? In Jesus' name, amen. Follow with me as I read in God's word. I just want to set the passage before you. I'll read it and then I will preach through it. James chapter 3, beginning in verse 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy... And selfish ambition in your heart, don't be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It was on Easter Sunday Not all that long ago, 2013, the southbound side of the Interstate 77, right near the North Carolina-Virginia border, it was close for hours that followed a massive chain of accidents. Maybe you recall hearing about this. The police had later reported that there were over 95 cars and trucks in this massive chain of accidents. Multiple people were dead. More than a few dozen were injured, many of them seriously so. And everybody wanted to know the cause. What was the cause of the accident? Why were there so many cars and trucks in this chain of accidents? And the police went on to report, well, there were many who were driving, just barreling down the highway, full speed, and then they entered into a thick fog that descended over the interstate that Sunday afternoon on Easter. And because of that fog, the police went on to say visibility was 100 feet or less. People continued just to drive blindly forward. They were just going full speed, and they couldn't see the danger that was ahead until it was too late. They couldn't see the danger until it was too late. 
And what I want to do today as I teach and preach from this paragraph in the Bible is I don't want you to just go barreling down the highway of your life and not see the danger until it's too late. I want you to hear truth today. I want you to hear wisdom from God. I want you to hear from the all-sufficient Word of God today. I want you to hear from the authority, and the authority is found in God's Word, the Bible. It reminds me of that uh, news headline from the London Times, which posed this question to the readers at the end of the 20th century. The London Times said, What's wrong with the world It's a pretty good question, a pretty gripping question. What's wrong with the world? Quite the question. Right here in our paragraph, we have the answer to that question. Maybe you've wondered that. What's wrong with the world? Why is the world the way it is? Why is our nation, our society, why is our world the way that it is? What's the problem? Right here. We will hear and learn and receive truth from God. And I want you to hear it before it's too late. I want you to receive it before it's too late. And it all has to do with the topic of wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Now, the book of James that we are looking at and we've been looking at as a church family, the book of James is written by the brother of Jesus. His name is James. James is the pastor of the early church in the city of Jerusalem. And James, the pastor, is writing this book. It's a short little letter, only five chapters. He's writing it to early Christians. And he wants them to live out their faith. The whole point of the book is practical Christian living. You say you're a Christian, live it out. Prove it. Show it. Demonstrate it. It's easy for you to talk the talk. But James wants faith in action. Pastor James wants you to demonstrate your true Christian faith by the life that you live. Now, we have looked for a number of weeks at the early part of James chapter 3, which is the power of this little thing right here in your body. A little, little tongue right there. Small, small little tongue, but boy, it has great power. The words that come out of your mouth have the power of life and death, Proverbs says. It's small, but it's powerful. It's tiny, but it's mighty. It can help people and the words that come out of your mouth can harm people. When we come together next and we open the book of James, we're going to come to chapter 4, where James is going to discuss conflicts and fights and quarrels and anger. Where does that come from? God will tell us where all of that comes from in chapter 4. But sandwiched right in the middle of the tongue and your words and conflict and anger and fighting and quarrels, right in the middle of all of that is a paragraph about Wisdom. Wisdom. There is a wisdom that leads to harmony. It's the wisdom from God. And there's also another kind of wisdom. It's the worldly kind of wisdom. It leads to conflict. It leads to hatred. It leads to disunity. Now, in our passage today, verse 13 is sort of like the main idea. It's the main thesis statement. It's the main proposition. And then everything else is going to explain it. Look with me at verse 13. Here's what it is. Who among you is wise and understanding? You might think, well, I think I'm wise. I think I'm understanding. James would say to you, well, then show it. Show it by your good behavior In your deeds by the gentleness which comes from wisdom. And then in verses 14 to 16, James is going to show what wisdom is not. And then in verses 17 and 18, he's going to show what wisdom really is. Guess what? Everyone in this room is in this paragraph. Every one of you, boys and girls, men and women, whether you've been here for many years or the first time here, you're here. You're in this paragraph because you have one of the two kinds of wisdom. 
And you need to hear from the Lord the importance of wisdom. And, and James is a great teacher. He's a great pastor. He's not going to give just sort of a nice definition of wisdom. He's going to describe it picturesquely. He's going to show it in an illustrative kind of a way. He's going to give color to what wisdom is like. This is the paragraph that summarizes James. This is the very heart of the letter. It's the central paragraph of the whole book of James. If you think of it like a bicycle tire, this paragraph is the center hub, and every other paragraph is connected to this one. Your life is lived based upon which kind of wisdom you have. Do you have the wisdom from God, or do you have the wisdom from the world? Do you have the wisdom from above, or do you have the wisdom from below? That's the question and the issue and the topic that James is going to deal with today. So, two kinds of wisdom. Look with me at verse 13. This is the main point, and the key is wisdom. It occurs four times in this section. And the question is, verse 13, who's really wise among you? Who's really understanding? Well, you, you and I could go to Wash U. You and I could go to Harvard or Yale. You pick the school. You pick the institution and say, who's wise? And you might have quite a number of hands that go up. Who's wise? Who is really understanding? James says, I'm not talking your academic degrees. I want you to show it by your life. Show it by your conduct. True wisdom is shown by good behavior. How? Look at verse 13. Let him show it by the good behavior in the gentleness that flows from wisdom. So, that's just good for us to hear. True wisdom, God says, is not your IQ. It's not your degrees. It's not where you went to school, where you went to college, where you went to grad school, how many letters you have after your name, PhD, MD, whatever. True wisdom, God says, is knowledge of God that shows itself in your life lived for God. That's wisdom. There's a lot of people who are really smart intellectually, but they don't have wisdom. They don't have wisdom. And James is, is a great pastor. He's an urgent pastor. And it's almost like in verse 13, there's a command, show it, prove it. Don't delay. Bring your wisdom to light. Display it. Exhibit it. Do it in your life. Now, do you see in your Bible in verse 13? Look at this. Show by your good behavior your deeds in the gentleness. Now, if you and I think about life conduct, I mean, you know, for wisdom, that might not be the first word that comes to your mind, gentleness. I mean, you might think holy, be godly, be Christ-like, be humble, meek, gentle. Why that word? Well, lest you and I think that gentleness is weakness, it's not weakness. It was a word that was often used in the ancient world for taming a horse. Anybody who works with horses can attest to this. A horse is a pretty strong creature. There's strength there. But when you, they might call it, break the horse, when you tame that horse, when you bridle that horse, you can control that horse. Why? It is strength under control. That's what meekness is. That's what gentleness is. It is strength under control. It's like when I wrestle my children. I'm stronger than they are. But I have strength under control, usually. Strength under control. That is the meekness that God wants displayed in your life. It is a strength, but it's a control. It's a self-control in the way that you live your life. Now, here's what James is going to do. In the following verses, James is going to give us two kinds of wisdom. And in wonderful wisdom literature, it's like Pastor James says, here they are. Pick. Here's the two wisdoms. Choose. You have one of them. Choose wisely. Pick wisely. Be careful. Be careful. How you choose. 
We're going to learn two kinds of wisdom today, worldly wisdom and godly wisdom. And if you're taking notes, I want to give you two simple points as we look at this paragraph together, and then I want to apply it very simply and very clearly as we work our way through it. Here's the first heading that I want you to see. The first very important lesson. Number one, shun worldly wisdom. Shun it. Shun worldly wisdom. James is going to show what wisdom is by illustrating first what it's not. What it's not. Now, verses 14 through 16 are going to show us one kind of wisdom, but everybody hear this. This is bad. You don't want this wisdom. It is not godly, but listen carefully. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Verse 14, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't be arrogant and lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it's earthly, natural, and demonic. For where there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil thing. This wisdom is everywhere. Let me prove it. One psychologist wrote this, quote, Wisdom integrates knowledge, experience, and your own personal understanding. What is that psychologist saying? He's saying that the source of wisdom is you. It's from within you. That is to say, wisdom comes from you reflecting on your past circumstances. Or in a recent study put out by the University of Pennsylvania, Dr. Ben Dean, another psychologist, surmised, quote, wisdom is the product of our knowledge and our experience. But it's more than just the accumulation of information. It is you coordinating the information and its deliberate use to improve your own well-being. What's this psychologist saying? Wisdom is you interpreting your own experience. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. This kind of worldly, earthly wisdom pervades our society. We hear it in phrases like this. Do your own thing. Have it your way. Look out for number one. Be who you can be. Or this. Believe in yourself. You have the power to do it. You can achieve your own goals. At all costs, do it. I mean, this kind of thinking pervades philosophy and education and politics and economics and sociology and psychology, every aspect and dimension of life. This kind of thinking has infiltrated it. In other words, you have what it takes within you. Just reach down deep and get it. You have the wisdom within. But notice what God says it is within you. Look in your Bible at verse 14. If you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your Heart. That's what's within us. That's kind of humbling. That's sort of uncomfortable. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, what is going to happen? Verse 16, if you have jealousy and selfish ambition, there's disorder, there's conflict, there's confusion, and every evil or vile thing. Let's just take an example of a, of a household. Just imagine with me a household where in the household it is marked by self-centered ambition. Could you imagine? Everybody for himself. And here's the way that you hear it. I want. I want. I want. Everybody's saying that. That is going to be a house of conflict. That is going to be a household of confusion. It's going to be a household of disorder. It's going to be a household marked by anger and conflict and disunity. Why? That is what's within us. That is what's within us. And verse 14, if you've got bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't be arrogant and lie against the truth. If that's the way you live. Don't think that that's God's wisdom for life. 
Why? Verse 15. Notice what God says. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but it is earthly, it is natural, and it is demonic. I mean, this is earthly. The word natural could probably be translated sensual. This is sensual wisdom. It's demonic. What does that mean? It's sourced from hell. It's everywhere. I mean, it's everywhere. It's all around us. And maybe you're here and you think, you know, I don't like that. I hear what that's saying and I, and I hear what the Bible is saying, but that makes me feel uncomfortable. Proverbs says, fools despise God's wisdom. Proverbs 14, 6 says, a scoffer will look for wisdom, but find none. Proverbs 21.30, God says, there is no wisdom or understanding or counsel against the Lord. Yeah, but I don't like what God says. Yeah, I don't like what the Bible says. There's no wisdom or counsel that could ever stand against the Lord. Worldly wisdom is so prevalent. It's all around us. It's earthly, natural, demonic. Believe in yourself. People say the problems in your life. You know, it's outside of you. You're just fine. Be all you can be. Don't let others tell you you're wrong. The the problems in your life are your past. It's your parents. It's your circumstances. It's your peers. Just be yourself. Identify how you wish. You are your own authority. You define yourself. Lies. God would say to that, Isaiah 5, verse 21, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. God, the authority, the source of all wisdom, he says this is demonic, devilish, worldly, and it will breed disorder. Wait, wait, wait. Why is our world the way it is? Remember that? Why is our world the way it is? Why is there so much conflict and disorder? Why is there so much confusion and disunity? Why is there so much pain? Here it is. The wisdom of this world pervades. It's the wisdom from below. All of this reminds me of a, of a friend that I met when I was in college. I was a I was a poor college man in Los Angeles, California, and I was even a poorer seminary student in Los Angeles, California. But there was a man that I met. His name was Dan Anderson. He's now with the Lord. He was from New Hampshire, and he would make annual trips out to Los Angeles, California, and he would have his eyes set on a particular group of people in the university and the seminary. These were the senior men who were dating. And he would be walking around campus, and he would have a a black briefcase. And he would have a briefcase, and in that briefcase were all these engagement rings. And he'd be looking for all these guys that are dating, and he'd be wanting to have a meeting with them and talk with them about how he could sell them a ring, and they could propose to their girlfriends. Well, I was a poor seminary guy and knew Dan Anderson and... One day he came and opened up that black briefcase and I had to, you know, bring all the the poor shekels that I had together to try to bring a a ring together for my bride. I knew what I was looking for, but I said, I don't have a whole lot of money. He said, I'll help you out. Here we are, Los Angeles, California. I'm a poor guy. I'm in love with this girl. And he comes opens up this black briefcase and he pulls out a ring. But he doesn't just pull out the ring and just put it on my finger or her finger to show. That's not what he does. He pulls out this black velvet backdrop. And then against that black velvet backdrop, he puts that ring. And then with the Los Angeles you know, sun, just beaming on that little ring with all of the diamond, the sparkles and the facets of that beautiful ring were just breathtaking. It was amazing. It was so cool. Against the black backdrop, the facet of the diamond sparkled magnificently. So I bought her a ring and everything worked out well. 
That's what James does here. He has just been laying before you the black velvet backdrop. This is the wisdom of the world. It's everywhere. It's pervasive. Maybe, maybe you had it. Maybe someone has it still. And you're living life by that. And I want you to hear God's wisdom as you're barreling down the highway of your life before it's too late, like the opening story. What's the problem with our world? The problem with our world is human wisdom. Human wisdom. Well, against the black backdrop, what makes the wisdom of God so beautiful? Now we see it right here in our text. Look with me in your Bible in verse 17. Let me give you the second heading. If the first is shun worldly wisdom, here's number two in your outline. Show godly wisdom. Show godly wisdom. This is what you can take home. You can review it. You can pray on this and say, Lord, I want to shun this. I want to turn from it. But I want to show godly wisdom. I want to show godly wisdom. Wisdom. Look at verse 17. The wisdom from above, the wisdom from God is pure, peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. Don't you want to have that? There's a a story in the Old Testament, a true account of God approaching a man. He was the king, Solomon. God came to Solomon, the wisest man who had ever lived before Jesus was born. And God said, Solomon, ask of me anything you want and I'll do it for you. Now, hold on. What would you say to God? Ask of me anything you want and I will do it. I will give it anything. Solomon, Solomon said, I'm leading your people. I'm the king over Israel. I I need wisdom. I need understanding. God supplied what he needed. Where do you get this wisdom? Earlier in James chapter 1, verse 5, we read, If anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, and God gives generously. In Proverbs 2, verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom. Notice with me in verse 17 of James chapter 3. Here's another kind of wisdom. This is the good wisdom. This is the delightful wisdom. This is the wisdom you want. This is the wisdom you need. The wise person will follow the wisdom from above. And his life will show it. Now, look with me at verse 17. The wisdom from above is first pure. The first mark of God's wisdom is pure, untouched by evil. It's peaceable. And then the word gentle, mighty strength under control. Meek, humble is the idea. And then the next mark of this heavenly wisdom is reasonable. What does that mean? God's wisdom is teachable. It's compliant. It's not stubborn. You and I can be stubborn. But the wisdom that God gives is not stubborn. It's reasonable and full of mercy and good fruits. It's it's eager to serve others. It's eager to consider other people more important than myself. And then he says that this wisdom from God is unwavering. What does that mean? There's no division. There's no favoritism. There's no partiality. You and I can quickly say, I like that guy. I don't like that person. I show favorites. God's wisdom is unwavering, undivided, no partiality. And God's wisdom at the end of verse 17 is without hypocrisy. It's not double-minded. There's integrity there. There's a truthfulness there. And I suppose it would be good and profitable for us to go through all of these specific attributes and and just define it and flesh all of it out. But we don't want to lose sight of what James is doing. He's describing wisdom. He's describing in in a beautiful, colorful way the picture and the portrait of wisdom. 
Here's what James is saying. If you have God's wisdom, it's going to produce humility in your life. It's going to produce gentleness in your life. You're going to have unity. You're going to be known as a person of harmony and a person of peace. Hold on. Do you know anything of that? Do you know anything of that? I mean, do you have this kind of wisdom? Do you show it by your life? Does your life evidence the fact that you have this wisdom? I mean, if we really get kind of personal here, consider your life. Is it marked by conflict, division, anger, hostility, fights, quarrels? That's the wisdom from below. Or is your life marked by wisdom from above, humility, meekness, gentleness, truthfulness, holiness, mercy, peace? That is the life of God's wisdom. And that's the wisdom that is sourced in God. It's given by God, and it produces this kind of meekness that is strength under control. So then in verse 18, if you look at verse 18 again, notice what the end of the chapter says, the seed whose fruit is righteousness. If you're going to live out a righteous life, what is necessary? It is sown in peace by those who make peace. Are you a peacemaker? Are you a peacemaker? Jesus describes that all through his sermon on the mount. But in particular, he says it in Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus says this in verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Can I just ask, what about you here today? What about you? Is your life marked by making peace? Is your life marked by producing humble, others-oriented, righteous living? Are you pure, peaceable, meek, merciful? Or is your life marked by conflict, division? I want, I want, I demand, give me. Very different. One is a wisdom that comes down from God, from above. The other is a wisdom that comes from below, from this world. Very important. Everyone in here is in this paragraph because you are either governing your life based upon the wisdom of the world or the wisdom from God. And the the, the obvious question for all of us is, which is it for you? What does your behavior prove? Now, maybe somebody's here and you're you're, you're hearing the word and you're hearing the message and you're seeing it in your Bible and you think, Jeff, I want this wisdom. And I see the wisdom from above and, and I want that and I desire that. How do I get that? Well, it begins... Number one, with reverence. You have to have the proper fear of God. Do you have the worship and the fear and the honor of God or the love of self? The Bible says in Proverbs 9, verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But second of all, not only reverence, you got to be converted. There's got to be conversion. You need to have a heart change. Why? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians that we must be in Jesus Christ, who is our wisdom. There must be conversion. Third, there must be, must be found in the scriptures, the scriptures. It is God's word, the Bible, that gives wisdom. I love how David in Psalm 119, he was the king and he said, Lord, your word makes me wiser than my enemies. Your word makes me wiser than my counselors. Your word makes me me wiser than my teachers. God's word. It's the Bible that gives wisdom. Fourth, we get wisdom by prayer. Prayer. 
James 1 verse 5 says, if anybody lacks wisdom, let him ask. You just ask God. But fifth, we, you say, I want this wisdom. I need this wisdom. Number five, you need Christ. Christ. To look to him, to love him, to study him, to emulate him. Because in Colossians 2, in Jesus, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in him. Guess what? The very thing you need is found in a man. The very thing you need, listen carefully, is not found from within you. It's found outside of you. In the man, Jesus Christ. So it's Christmas Day. On Christmas Day, let let me tell you about the wisdom of God that is embodied as a man. Let's talk about the man, Jesus Christ, for a minute. In Proverbs chapter 8, this wisdom from God was with God at creation. In fact, he was rejoicing in God, and God was delighting in him. Jesus is the wisdom from God. In Isaiah 11, verse 2, the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon this Messiah, Jesus. He is the Spirit of wisdom. In Matthew 13, Jesus is preaching the parable chapter that we call it, and the crowds are marveling, saying, where did this man get this wisdom Luke 2, verses 40 and 52, Jesus is the young child, increased in wisdom. Amazing. In 1 Corinthians 1.30, for every believer who is converted, brought to God. I love how the Bible says, it is by God's doing that you are in Christ, who became to us wisdom from God. Colossians 2, 3, in Jesus are hidden all the treasures of wisdom. Revelation 5, in heaven we sing, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive wisdom forevermore. So what does all that mean? To be without Jesus is to be without all wisdom. But to have Jesus is to have the very fullness and the joy of all wisdom. Did you hear that? To be without Jesus is to be without all wisdom. But to have Jesus is to have the very fullness and the joy and the delight of wisdom. So if we were to clarify all of this, maybe a few simple points. Number one, wisdom is found outside of you. Number two, wisdom is available to you. Number three, wisdom is calling. It's calling. Proverbs 9, wisdom is presented like a preacher calling out to you to be wise and listen. Wisdom became incarnate, became a person for you. He, he came in human flesh. For you. You say, I know that. I, I've been to church my whole life. I know the catechism. I have a great family. Mom and dad, teach me the truth. We have family worship. Yeah, but who is this wisdom? Who is he? Let me tell you who Jesus is. He is the commander of the Lord's army, Joshua 5. He is wonderful, Judges 13. He is the wonderful counselor, Isaiah 9. He is the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the angel armies, Isaiah 6. He is the Lord, Isaiah chapter 6. He is Emmanuel, God with us, Isaiah 7. He is the everlasting Father, Isaiah 9. Jesus is the mighty God, Isaiah 9. Jesus is the creator of all things, 1 Peter 4. He is the bridegroom, Matthew 9. Jesus is the son of the most high God, Luke 1. Jesus is the very word of God. What does that mean? He's the communication of all that God is, John 1, 1. He is the shepherd who died for the sheep, John 10. Jesus is the truth in John 14, 6. He is the author of life in Acts 3. Jesus is the Lord of glory. 
according to 1 Corinthians 2. And Jesus is the Lord or the head over all of the church in Ephesians 4. Jesus is the king over all kings, 1 Timothy 6. He is the Lord over all lords, 1 Timothy 6. Jesus is the Almighty One, Revelation 1. Jesus is the first and the last. Revelation 1, he is the faithful and the true. Revelation 19, he is the beginning and the end. Revelation 21, and the Bible says in Luke chapter 11 that Jesus is wisdom. Do you know him? Do you worship him? Does he know you? Does he know you? Do you have him to be your savior? Does he have you as his slave? What a great, wonderful, glorious service to this king. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, more about this wisdom. In verse 23, we preach Jesus Christ crucified to the Jews, a stumbling block to Gentiles. This is foolishness. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Jesus Christ is the power of God and he is the wisdom of God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brethren. There were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. And God has chosen the base things of the world to shame the things that are not, so that he may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. To have Jesus is to have wisdom. To have Christ is to have all divine wisdom. But to be without Jesus, you're left to your own human devices where your life will be marked by selfishness, jealousy, disorder, confusion, And worldly wisdom. Oh, friend, are you wise today? Are you wise today? Are you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ? I can get to heaven no other way but through Jesus. Are you wise enough? To discover the nature of your sin and hate it? Are you wise enough to recognize the guilt of your sin and receive forgiveness from it in Jesus Christ? Are, Are you wise enough to recognize the consequences that your sin will bring and escape from it holding on to Jesus alone? Are you wise enough to to flee to Jesus and make him your refuge from the wrath of God to come? Beware, beware. Lest worldly wisdom, selfish wisdom deceive you and you be found a fool when God brings you before Jesus on judgment day. It's an appointment that you will keep. And God brings you before the judgment bar and he judges you not based upon how good you think you've been compared to others, but how good you've been compared to his perfect character and his holy law. Are you wise unto salvation? I mean, don't you know? Don't you know that you're full of disorder and you're full of disunity? And don't you know that you cannot change your own heart desires? You think, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried, I've tried this. I can't change. Don't you know that your desires and cravings and passions rule and dominate your life? Aren't you a slave to your own passions and your own cravings and your own desires? 
Why? Why would someone not come to Christ? Why would you not come to him today? Because you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And to come to him and to run to Jesus Christ for his salvation, to run to him, his arms are open, and he says, come to me and find life. Christ can give you all wisdom. He can become your wisdom. Jesus is able. His wisdom is from everlasting. His wisdom is totally saving. His wisdom will secure you and protect you until the moment you die and take you to heaven. Are you here today and you're afraid to die? You're afraid to die? Let this drive you to Jesus Christ. He has the keys of death and hell. And he said, I can free you, save you, deliver you, wash you, forgive you, and carry you all the way to heaven in Jesus. In Jesus, there is found a plenteous and a full and a bountiful and a promised redemption it's a gift. It's a gift. Not without cost, but it's a gift that he purchased for you. Come at once to Jesus. James is doing, in James 3, the section we've looked at, he's doing what his brother Jesus did. Two kinds of wisdom. Pick. Choose. You'll remember the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus ended that in Matthew chapter 7. He gave four applications. Jesus said, there are two ways. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to hell. And there are many people on it, but narrow is the path, and hard is the way that leads to life. Few there are that are on it. Two paths, two gates, pick. And then he said, there are two trees. There, there's, a, there's a tree that bears good fruit, and then there's a tree that doesn't bear good fruit. Which are you? And then he says, there are two professions of faith. There are some who say, Lord, Lord, let me into heaven. Look at all the great things I've done for you. And Jesus will say, depart from me, you who work iniquity into hell. I never knew you. But then there's another profession from those who do Love and worship and obey and trust in the Savior. And then there's two kinds of builders. There's a guy who builds on the rock and there's a guy who builds on the sand. One of them built on the rock will not be shaken. One that is built on the sand will fall and crumble to the ground. Which are you? That's how Jesus ends. Pick. Pick. These are the two Options, Pick and choose wisely. That's what James is doing. There's a wisdom from above and a wisdom from below. There's a wisdom from God and a wisdom from this world. Choose wisely. What would God say? God's counsel to you. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose life. Choose life. You need it. And it's found in Jesus Christ. I want to close with, I think, a fitting and helpful illustration that sort of drives this home for us. Yes, we do need a good foundation. Yes, we do need the wisdom of Jesus Christ to live well, to die well, to have the hope of heaven. It reminds me of the tallest building in the world. The Burj Khalifa in Dubai rises more than 2,700 feet in the air. It's over half a mile tall. 160 floors, twice as high as the Empire State Building in New York City. It has the fastest elevator in the world, goes up to 40 miles an hour. It has the world's highest outdoor observation deck on the 124th floor. And the world's highest swimming pool as well on the 76th floor. 
But all that aside, what's the secret to the stability of this massive and high building? What's the secret? Well, the secret is underground. Before construction began to rise above ground, you read that workers spent well over a year digging and pouring, I mean, the massive, massive foundation that would support the building. The foundation contains nearly 59,000 cubic yards of concrete, and many suggest that if you were to weigh all of that together, it would exceed more than 110,000 tons of concrete. How does that building stand so high and not be shaken because of the foundation underneath? Because the foundation is solid. Well, in a similar way, if you're going to build your life on a sturdy foundation, it must be the wisdom from God. It must be the wisdom from God. Because the wisdom of this world, though it is everywhere, it's shaky, it's unsettled, it's weak, and it will fail you. It will. So you're building your life on one of two wisdoms, the wisdom from below or the wisdom from above. Without God's wisdom, all that you build on in your life is going to topple over. It's all going to topple over. It's all going to crumble to destruction. But God's wisdom is a better way. God's wisdom is found in Christ. God's wisdom is found not by looking deep within yourself, but by looking to Christ found in the word of God. He is the treasure of all wisdom and understanding. So look to Christ and live. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have given your word that is so clear and understandable and reliable. Thank you that it tells us why the world is the way it is. It guards us lest we just go barreling down the highway of our life thinking that we're okay before it's too late. Lord, for some who may be here today who are in the wisdom of this world, oh Lord, would you mercifully grant heart change that they would know the love of God and the forgiveness of Christ and walk in the wisdom of God. Oh, Lord, would you help us as a family of believers to walk in this wisdom from above, that we would show it by our life in the gentleness, the meekness, the humility that comes from wisdom. Do that work for your glory in our lives. In Jesus' name.